0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I am capable of amazing things. As of this recording, I am 45 days sober, and today we are welcoming a guest to share her experience, strength, and hope with us. Welcome to the show, Abby.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Yes, and I'm excited to have you on. I fell in love with you through your Instagram, the Sober Gay Griever. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yeah, so I'm Abby. I'm the uh, chapter leader of A Thousand Hours Dry, LGBTQIA, and I've been sober for almost a year. My sober date is September nine, two 2020.
0: Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yes, and with that, tell us a little bit more about your journey to get to sobriety.
1: Yeah, so it's a long one, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I really started the whole sober thing six months after my mom died because I had a really toxic relationship with alcohol after she died. Because She died like a week before everything shut down because of COVID, mm-hmm. and then... The following week, exactly one week later, I lost my job because of COVID. And then I just drank for six months straight. Mm-hmm. But my drinking was already a little bit questionable before that, but nothing like it was after my mom died. Mm-hmm. So then I've developed like prehypertension <laughs> and mm-hmm. I put on 30 pounds. And I was like, I really need the prehypertension was like what really scared me. Mm-hmm. So... That was like what told me, "Okay, need to stop drinking," and I did, and I haven't drank since.
0: Well, excellent, and congratulations cool. on that. I know I similarly I got sober near the tail end of COVID, but especially for people who got sober during it, I give you so much cre- credit and kudos because I know it's it's hard doing it, especially like with meetings and things over Zoom instead of in person.
1: Oh yeah, it was very hard. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and in terms of your journey with alcohol, how, how do you feel your sexuality played a role in the addiction recovery?
1: Well, alcohol was a and like the bar scene, club scene was always like where I felt comfortable, mm-hmm. and it's where I've always felt welcome as a queer person, even before I was out. Like to my family is always the place. Where I felt like a part of. Mm-hmm. And so that was definitely a part of it. it was just a part of the, the feeling that, you know, alcohol was like home mm-hmm. <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah.
0: I've been there before. I know that, you know, I, I always hated being alone by myself. And so if I was with alcohol, I was, it's so like I was with my buddy. And... Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely.
0: And do you remember what your first time drinking with alcohol was
1: like? Oh my gosh, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was like 17 Mm -hmm. and I was at a friend's house and I had beer and it was not good. (laughs) It wasn't (laughs) it was disgusting. But yeah, that that time wasn't bad, but the first time I had like hard liquor Mm -hmm. is this I still it was coconut vodka, like coconut pinnacle. And I still, to this day, I cannot smell that or drink it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just disgusting. Mm -hmm. Because I just remember like, throwing up and stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I had that mine was a green apple Smirnoff vodka in college. And I remember it was like a party for my friends that I was like ready to throw at my house. And I got the bottle and I was so excited. I scored a bottle being underage. And no one showed up because there was something else going on on campus and that wasn't going to stop me from drinking and the mm-hmm. whole bottle was gone. And I, e- even in my worst of my drinking, I can mm-hmm. never go to the, the the green apple or even now like normal things that are green apple or like that sour apple flavor. <laughs> I, I can't even, even if it's non-alcoholic.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> and so I, I know that, you know, you mentioned with your mom, the relationship caused some you know grief and after her passing how do you feel like grieving has played a role in your recovery
1: huge it's made it's played the biggest role mm-hmm. because my grief was exacerbated and like magnified mm-hmm. by the alcohol so it was like playing russian roulette when i was drinking like cuz sometimes i it, i would like hide from my grief when i was drinking and it, i'd be like okay as okay as you can be when you're drunk mm-hmm. <laughs> But the other times it would be like, I'd be like so much more sad than I already was. And like, I, I really struggled with like suicidal ideation in my grief and it made it a whole lot worse. So like, I think I'm like really lucky <laughs> that I'm even still here and I got sober when I did, but grief was like the main player when I got sober. Cause it was like really the, the reason why I did.
0: And I mean, that's inspirational because I'm, I'm realizing now in my sobriety, so many things that I sh- should have gr- gr- had grief over or like didn't really process when I was drinking. And so now that I'm sober, I'm like, oh, like the whole recovery from grief is a whole different beast than when I like, thought I had my shit under control when I was drinking.
1: Yeah. Drinking will definitely slow down grieving because like I, I remember growing up, I was like always heard that when you start dr- drinking you're you're stuck where you are when you started drinking like you're not growing from there so you're stuck in the early stages of grief if you're drinking while you're grieving Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and so now that you are sober how has grieving played a role like post sobriety Mm -hmm. because I see you kind of wear it as a badge of honor on Instagram almost and like in the way that you talk about it and you know, talking about things that people don't normally talk about as like a big part of like the stigma that caused us all to drink. And so when you're being mm-hmm. public with it, it's, it's quite the inspiration, but you know, what inspired you to, to be so public about that grieving process?
1: Yeah. So when I was grieving, I felt and experienced things that I did not know was a part of grief just because you know we're not really taught about grief when we're growing up. It's kind of a taboo subject. So Like, the biggest thing that I experienced was dissociation. And I I still experience that because of my grief. Like, I I feel a a disconnect from, like, memories of my mom. It's like, those memories are like watching somebody else's life. Because, like, I know I miss my mom and everything, but my brain is, like, protecting me (laughs) from really feeling it. So that was really a big reason why... I started the page so other people know that they're not alone and also because it just helped me get out my feelings yeah (laughs) and just connect with other people who are also going through it because like I felt very alone like there's no one else really to talk to about it so it just helped to find a community really
0: yeah, and community has been so important for me and my sobriety. What are some of the positive changes that have been in your life now that you're living sober?
1: Oh, my gosh, so many positive changes. Like, I, I reversed my prehypertension, mm-hmm. which is, like, such a relief. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because heart issues run in my family, and I was like, I really don't want to get the ball rolling on that earlier than I have to.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So I was really happy that that happened also i've saved money like it's not that obvious in my bank account that i've saved money Mm -hmm. just because like of the times and i don't make that much money Mm -hmm. but i used to spend a lot of money on alcohol so the fact that i can pay rent every month even it's just like a big deal because i was always late on rent when i was drinking and now i'm not
0: That is great. I know that the the money is something where I didn't even realize how much I was spending on alcohol until I stopped spending it. And yeah, now I'm treating myself to like toys and Legos and games and stuff (laughs) like that. But I mean, eventually it will turn into savings, I'm sure.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I spend it definitely on like non-alcoholic drinks or like stuff that I actually want. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's really cool. I mean, what are some tips or things that you use to help you stay sober when you have those moments that are, are testing you?
1: Yeah. So mm, the biggest one is that definitely having a community and having people to reach out to like Instagram really helped me with that. It was really early on in my sober journey. I got involved with a thousand hours dry and I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why I've, I've been able to stay sober for as long as I have, yeah. just because I have so many people to talk to, yeah, and can you and ta- relate to me?
0: Yeah, can you share a little bit more about what a thousand hours dry is?
1: Yeah, so it's it's a it's a challenge mm-hmm. to stay dry for a thousand hours. So that's forty two days. Okay. And I started hosting a thousand hours dry when I was four months sober, mm-hmm. I and. So I've been helping people stay sober since I was really early on in my sober journey. So that community effort and helping other people while I was still figuring it out <laughs> yeah. helped me a lot. And yeah, there's so many niche pages for a thousand hours drive. We have like LGBTQIA. We have parents. We have like people of color. We have Canada. Mm-hmm. UK. I know I'm missing a few, but there's a lot for each different type of like person. So you, you'll be able to find a community for someone who relates to your unique experience with Thousand Hours Dry.
0: Yeah, and that, that's awesome. Yeah, I know that with COVID happening, uh, I, a lot of you know the in-person things were cut off, but that kind of led room to have more online things. And so the fact that you have Been able to connect with like people not only just in your area but also just outside of the country and in other parts Mm -hmm. of the world is just really phenomenal. So glad to hear that you're you're doing that, and I'll make sure to link over to that in the show notes so people can check that out. Cool. Yeah,
1: that's great. It's really helpful. Help me. So.
0: Yeah, and and it's great to hear that you're helping others. I know I'm just starting to get into service. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, I went to like my first sober barbecue locally, and there were. So many people reminded me of how very old and white my area is of town. <laughs> but, you know, it it's good meeting people in person. But, you know, it's great having those relationships online. And so it's nice finding a bit of both. Now, mm-hmm. uh, other than a community, what other uh, tips or ad- bits of advice would you use to help people stay sober?
1: To remove all the alcohol from your house and, like, just stock up on whatever it is that will help you, mm-hmm. like, Because drinking, the thing that makes it so hard to quit, at least for me and for a lot of people, is the fact that it's a habit. Mm -hmm. So I would drink, like once I started working again, I would drink before work and after work, which is not healthy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I sucked up on like seltzer and non alcoholic beer. And I just, I was able to keep up like the routine of it Mm -hmm. and the ritual of it without like drinking. And getting myself drunk mm-hmm. <laughs> for work or after work. So that's a big that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me cool. think. Is there another one? Oh, well, having a friend, like a real-life friend. Yeah. To help you and, like, do it with you helps, too. Because, like, my girlfriend, she got sober the same time I did. Mm-hmm. Like, to, to help me out. And it really did help. Because I don't feel alone in like real life Mm -hmm. as I would if she wasn't sober like when we go out like people our friends do treat us especially her differently Mm -hmm. because of the fact that we don't drink and so we're kind of on the same wavelength of tolerance Mm -hmm. of being in in public especially around people who are drinking so it's easier to tap out (laughs) than to like leave alone
0: yeah I understand. And yes, if, if you can have a, a sober buddy or a sober partner, it certainly helps. I know my my husband can drink like a, a normal person, quote unquote. So it was no problem for him when we went dry in the house. And when we go out, he, you know, he's staying dry with me. So it, it certainly helps not being the only one, especially like I had that experience right after I got sober up in New York for a friend's wedding, which was like really the weirdest time to choose to get sober. <laughs> but you know, being around everyone that was drinking, you know, it certainly was nice when I came home and had emotional support person with me.
1: It definitely is. <laughs>
0: yeah, And I know that I, I see you post inspirational quotes regularly and, you know, we all mm. as alcoholics and recovery really love our traditions and our sayings and things. Do you have any favorite mantras or quotes that you love that you'd love to share?
1: Hmm. Well, my favorite quote that I think about all the time is the quote happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if only you remember to turn on the light from harry potter Mm -hmm. that's what i think about all the time because it's true and it just makes me happy but then like the everyday quote that i think to myself is everything is going to be okay that's how i calm myself down it's like if i'm so a lot of time i forget to breathe especially when i'm at work so I'll, I'll literally hold my breath and not notice it until I start getting lightheaded. Wow. And so then when I notice it, <laughs> I'm like, okay, everything's going to be okay. And I like start to breathe slower and as corny as I sound, it helps. Mm-hmm. And also if I'm like, say the lyrics to, it's a small world in my head mm-hmm. that also helps. I don't know what it is, but that's been my co- like a coping tool of mine for like my whole life oh, it's like if okay. something that's ever painful or i'm nervous or something it's a small world mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's going through that in my head that helps
0: oh, that's great thank you so much for sharing that is there anything else that you'd like to promote or to sh- share with our listeners
1: well yes so i also as well as a thousand hours dry, work with the companion app reframe. Okay. And so we're not doing like support meetings anymore on a thousand hours dry LGBTQIA, but we do have them through reframe now. LGBTQIA support meetings. And it's on the I host them on the second and fourth Mondays of every month. So we have one tonight. Yeah, so that's a great uh, resource to use if you feel alone and you don't necessarily have a community and you can sign up for that through the link in reframe apps bio. All
0: right. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, again, listeners, I will make sure that that this is all entered into the show notes so that you can just scroll up wherever you're listening (laughs) and you can see it and click over. Thank you so much, Abby, for coming on and sharing all of your experiences with us. It was a pleasure.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me. It's really nice. Yes.
0: And uh, listeners, uh, please leave a review if you found this information helpful. If you need help immediately, you can call SAMHSA's National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. And if you're interested in sharing your story like Abby, getting involved with the show, or just saying hi, you can email me at gayapodcast at gmail.com. And until that time, stay sober, friends.